Welcome to the All Nations Aurora podcast, where you will find family, discover purpose, and change the world. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will speak directly to your life through this message. We are starting a brand new series at All Nations Aurora. And I'm excited about this series. One of the phrases that we are known for as a collection of churches um, is this phrase. It goes, find family, discover purpose, and change the world. It's something that um, we do as a collective of churches. I don't know if you all know this, but All Nations Aurora is one of many churches around the country. And as a matter of fact, we need to acknowledge that one of the leaders of the movement is in the building today. Uh, we have none other than Apostle Monique Flemings, as well as Elder Andrew Flemings from All Nations Collective and All Nations Chicago. Let's make some noise for them. We are a house of honor, and so we honor both of you all and Andre for coming and hanging out with All Nations Aurora today. Thank you so much. And so a big deal, a big phrase inside of All Nations of War is world changer. We really believe that God has purposed us to create people that change the world. We believe in that same scripture that says, these are those that turn the world upside down. But we really believe that in order for us to change the world, the first step in that effort is to change your world. If each and every one of us purpose within our hearts that I'm going to do whatever it takes to be all that God created me to be, the collective sum total of those efforts would be a changed world. And so this collection of conversations goes by that title, Change Your world. I believe that God has uh, anointed me with a pushy anointing. Those laughs that you hear are people that I've pushed. I'm anointed to push you from good to great. And the only reason I do it is because I know God has much more in store for you. And the only reason I know that is because he's demonstrated that in my life. And how many know whenever you experience something personally that's great, you want everybody to experience that as well? God is not an average God. So he doesn't want you to live an average life. Now, for some people, this type of language is scary. For some people, this type of conversation makes them nervous. Because average is comfortable. Yeah. Average is attainable in our minds. We were sold an American dream, and we focus so much on that 
that we didn't find out what God's dream was for us. And so we were told to get good grades so we can get into good school, so we can get a good job working for 40 years so we can retire and die. And we signed up for it. Because average is comfortable. But over the next few weeks, I know this is going to make my attendance go down, but God's about to make us uncomfortable. God's about to get all up in your business. He's about to get all up in your calendar. He's about to get all up in your goal book. And he's about to change some stuff around. He's about to light a fire that went out. Most of us have lost our ability to dream. We have let the circumstances of life dim our light. Shrink our aspirations. We have let our failures tell us that we aren't worthy of greatness. Problem is, Jesus already died for it. And you're trying to re-crucify him every day as if the work isn't already done. So in this series, you're going to learn a little bit more about you and what God has for you and the importance that you have the right heart as you pursue the things that God has for you. Because one thing about our God, he's not doing anything for your glory. I know that offends you. But the reason he needs you to be great is for his glory alone. And so today, we're going to be diving into a conversation that is called Under the Influence. Under the Influence. And the heart of this message is found in the book of Jeremiah. Because if you look around at the world, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of conversations being had that are life-changing conversations, monumental conversations, but they seem to be a bit toxic. Because if you differ from my opinion on this topic, we can't be friends. We can't deal with each other because I know everything and you know nothing. And no matter what side of these debates that you're on, as a believer, you're charged to move like Jesus would move. You're charged with living in this world in a similar manner that Jesus lived in this world. You know, Jesus' world wasn't smooth and peachy and full of sound doctrine either. But he came and lived a life as an example for us of how we're to live ours as well. And the prophet Jeremiah found himself in a very similar toxic world that he lived in. And he, despite all the external toxicity of the world that he lived in, he lived according to the scriptures of that day. And he lived a holy life, which is why the Lord used him. But he got frustrated 
with living this holy life in the midst of all this toxic stuff that was around him to include the people that he was called to. And so the people that he was called to was complaining because, you know, life was hard. And eventually it got to Jeremiah. And he started complaining to God. Like, look at these people. I mean, they're just a mess. You sent me to these crazy people. I've been living holy. I've been following your instructions. And yet you do nothing to make my situation better. He was a little frustrated by his assignment. Have you ever been frustrated by yours? And so God responds. And we find God's response in Jeremiah 15 and 19. And this is what he tells Jeremiah, which is what Jeremiah told those people. And this is what God's saying to us now in this crazy world that we live in. He said, you are to influence them. Do not let them influence you. If we took a look at your timeline over the last two weeks, would we see you influencing them or them influencing you? If we took a look at your text messages and your group chats, would we, would we find a record of you influencing the world or the world influencing you? Man, if we could print out your thought life. Would the record show that you've been influencing or that you've been under the influence? It's my charge to us, the same charge that God gave to Jeremiah, that we're the influencers. That the world is dark because we haven't been doing our job. We stay in a perpetual state of reactivity instead of proactivity. And that's why we stay taking L's, because we have no influence. Paul was worried about this very thing with one of the churches that he planted in Corinth. Because when he left, there started to be some influence that was contrary to the way. That's what the church was called back then. And that influence started to turn people's hearts, not just from God, but from Paul as well. People tried to discredit his apostleship and his authority to be able to teach and instruct them in the way. And so he had to come back with 2 Corinthians and combat some things that were said. And so he spent a lot of that book 
going over the fact that he didn't send himself, but that Jesus Christ himself on the road to Damascus is who sent him. And so as people were beginning to doubt, that create this campaign of doubt, he needed a response to let people know that he's not, he's not here of his own volition, but that this was his assignment from God. So we'll look at 2 Corinthians 10 and 13. And he's basically given a testimony. He's like, you know, I ain't got to brag. I really don't have nothing to prove to you all. He said, we will not boast beyond limits, but will only boast with regard to the area of influence God assigned us to reach even to you. So he's reassuring the people that I'm on assignment. And my assignment was to reach you. And so this is why influence is so important. This is why it's important to know who we are in God, because who we are in God shows us the areas of influence that we're created to impact. And the reason we have an area of influence that we are created to impact is because he has a kingdom agenda for this earth. There's too much teaching in Christian churches that we're just supposed to get saved and wait for heaven. There's much more to the story than that. There is an entire life that you were granted to live on purpose. Double entendre. You have a reason for each one of these days. None of these days are meaningless. And so what Paul was saying was, listen, this is my assignment, and my assignment is to reach you. This is the hope of every assignment. You have an assignment to reach someone else. Are you with me? I'm just giving backdrop. And so in 14, it says, or we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you, for we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. 15, we do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that your faith increases. He's explaining again, this is why I came. This is why I'm here. And he's showing them that I have a part to play and you have a part to play. Let me personalize it for you. It was, uh, it was just, sh- just shy of a year ago that my wife and I were in church at our other church that we were at prior to here, All Nation Chicago. And my wife tells me when we get in the car after church, the Lord spoke to me three times and said, you're about to get a new assignment. I said, that's nice. Thank you for telling me. In my mind, okay, I'll get another assignment. I've been all these different types of pastors before, so I guess I'm about to get reassigned. But that night, my father-in-law, her father has a dream. And then he wakes up the next morning, and he tells me, he calls me, he says, Tyler, you won't believe this, I had a dream about you. I'm like, okay. He said, I saw you, you were teaching, you were preaching, but it wasn't all nation Chicago, it was somewhere else. And then after the service, I saw you and Dr. Stevenson, who was our spiritual father, after the service, and I looked at you all, and I said to myself, he's about to give Tyler to church. 
I said, okay, that's nice. <laughs> For context, I got saved 20 years ago. And from the beginning, God gave me open visions of this. And I, Usain, bolted in the other direction. That means I ran real fast. <laughs> so I've been hearing this type of rhetoric for 20 years. There were three other times before this time where people have offered churches for us to lead. And I said, nope, nope, nope. No, thank you. So God speaks to Ty. God speaks to my father-in-law. Who, who, God, who God ain't speaking to? He ain't told me nothing. <laughs> Two weeks go by. I get a FaceTime at 7.06 a.m. from my spiritual father. I said, hello? First thing out of his mouth, where's Ty? I said, I can go get him. He's like, no, because I got to hit you with something. He said, I could not sleep. God arrested me in my sleep and said, I'm supposed to give you a church. That's what I said. <laughs> he said, have you ever thought about being a pastor before? Because he and I had never had a conversation about doing this. And I said, uh, kind of, but not really. He said, would you consider doing it as an all nations church? I said, uh, I mean, we can pray about it. You know, I have to talk to my wife. You know, that's the excuse we give whenever we don't want to give an answer. You know, I got to talk to the wife. <laughs> that means no. But, <laughs> but we did. We prayed. We fasted. And God said yes. And then we didn't know where. Because he didn't tell us where. He just said, I'm just, I just know I'm supposed to give you a church. You pick where. I'm like, oh. So we didn't know where. We went on a journey. A leader at our former church said, what you should do is you should drive and the land will speak to you. So we got up on a Saturday morning and we drove around the Chicago land area for eight hours. That's how serious we took this assignment. And at a certain point in the journey, my wife was on her phone and she looks up. She said, where are we? So I look around. It's like we're in Aurora. She says, this is it. I said, okay, this, this is our assignment. And the thing about assignments is this, we're not here for ourselves. Can I be honest? Can I be honest? Or war wasn't on my list. We had to sit down with some leaders at the church before we decided on Aurora and they said, have you figured out where you're supposed to go? I said, no, nah, we're still praying about it. And he said, well, have you thought about Aurora? And I said, no. It never crossed my mind at all, actually. But then my prophet of a wife who's sitting next to me says, funny you should say that. I was like, what do you mean? And she said, the other day, the word of war went across my forehead. I didn't know what, you know, I was like, what was you going to tell me? <laughs> we sitting here with these people and this is a revelation. You... 
So when God gives an assignment like that, when he's talking to my wife and he's talking to my father-in-law, when he's talking to my pastor, and then when we told our kids, two out of the three said they had dreams about this. He's telling everybody but me. What am I supposed to do with that? I guess I had to stop running. Sometimes God has to make it so obvious that if you keep running, you know you're in rebellion. The worst place that you can ever be is outside of the will of God. You should write that down. The worst place that you can ever find yourself is outside of the will of God. See, some of you all are getting this from me for the first time. Others, they're already uncomfortable because they know I'm coming for them. But I'm coming for us collectively because God has more for us. The reason he assigned us to a war was the same thing that Paul said, because we want your faith to increase. That's the hope. Paul said, my hope for coming all the way over here to Corinth on this assignment was so your faith will increase. That's part A. He goes on to say in verse 16, so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you. So the goal is not the assignment. That's step one. Step two is to cause people's faith to increase. Because what happens when your faith increases, you tell somebody. What happens when your faith increases, you show up in your community, on your job, it's your family reunion, a different person. You know what that's called? The kingdom agenda. You thought God wanted you to have a business so you could be rich. You thought God gave you that ability to sing so you can be famous. He has a kingdom agenda that he wants fulfilled. And he wants you to be an influencer and not be influenced. How much influence can you have broke? How much influence can you have unemployed? How much influence can you have with mental health challenges that you don't have in control? How much influence can you have if you're in a broken relationship? How much influence can you have if you're a workaholic? How much influence can you have if you're battling addictions? Zero which is why the enemy keeps coming at you with it. Because he doesn't want the kingdom agenda to take place. So the heart of this message is found in a story. In 1975, there were two, what you would call generals of the faith. There's a gentleman named Lauren Cunningham and a gentleman named Bill Bright. They had two major missionary 
um, organizations that they founded. And in 1975, they found themselves in the same city for different purposes, but they arranged to have lunch with each other the next day. When both of them went to sleep, God dealt with both of them and gave them a vision. And they both wrote it down. And when they showed up to lunch the next day, they shared their visions that they had with each other. And it was exactly the same. That vision that was given to both of them that they shared with each other was called the seven mountains of influence. God revealed to them that in order for his church, his kingdom to affect a culture, there are seven mountains that they need to penetrate. There are seven mountains that they need to operate in if they want to influence the culture for the kingdom. And so I'm just going to give them to you. You can start meditating and praying on it. But what you're going to have to start asking yourself this afternoon and beyond is where, where do you want to place me, Lord? I don't want you to, to look at these and say, oh, yeah, that, that's something I would like to do. Because what, what the mistake would be is to try to operate and manipulate the process without the Holy Spirit. We'll get there. And so we're going to look at these one by one. We're going to break it down. The first one is the church. The first mountain is the church. Here's where the church gets this mountain wrong. Anybody with communication skills is a pastor. If we think somebody's articulate, you know what? You're a pastor. I see it on you. Anybody with a bubbly personality, you know what? You got that evangelistic spirit. The Lord's going to use you to evangelize. You have one dream and you're a prophet. That's what we tell you. Surely the mantle of the prophet is upon you. We try to force feed everybody to this one mountain. Any gift, strength, ability we see anybody, we try to make it, massage it into the church. Let me help you. Most people ain't called to the church. You don't believe me? Jesus on this earth had hundreds of disciples. Set apart 12. He didn't set apart hundreds. He set apart 12. Those were the 12 that were called to this mountain. Those were the 12 that turned the world upside down, minus Judas plus Paul. The majority of his disciples, he did not set apart. He set apart the 12. We set apart everybody. We're going to fit you into one of these five-fold offices some way, somehow. But most people ain't called to it. Can you be free in that for a second? Can you just, like, exhale? Take that worry off? Like, I don't know what I, I don't know. I don't know. I think I'm supposed to preach. No, you're not. I think I'm supposed to prophesy. No, no, mm-mm. 
Keep, keep that. Here's the thing. You don't want to operate on any of these mountains without the Holy Spirit. And you don't want to try to climb one of these mountains that you weren't sent to. Remember, God told everybody but me. Because if he would have tried to tell me again, I would have came up with some real good reasons not to do it. I had some real good ones not to do it. Some really, really, really good ones. Me and my wife had some, some great ideas about what was going to happen with our life that did not include pastoring a church. But God made it clear. And guess what? Even with clear instructions from God on doing this and this assignment is still hard. Sometimes I got to remind myself, Lord, you said what now? Right here? All nations of war? Okay. Because he's going to call you to do something that you can't do in your own strength. I know we like to quote that, uh, 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 that his, his, his yoke is easy and his burdens are light. So if I feel any type of obstruction, this can't be the Lord. This, this can't be God. My only problem with that is that my Bible is full of pages of people who were called to do something that none of them got to it easily. He told Abraham to go. Abraham said, where? He said, just go. You think that was easy? He had to lie twice about who his wife was. You think that was easy? David was anointed with oil and told he was the king and didn't sit on the throne until 20 years later. You think that was easy? God called him to it. The prophet came, poured the oil, said he was the king. Why wasn't it easy? Noah had to build that ark for hundreds of years. People lie. It ain't never rained a drop. And you talking about a flood. Building this stupid boat that's sitting on sand. Dummy. Look at you. Where's your little Jesus now? You think it was easy? But we like easy. We like comfort. If God called me to do this, the doors are just going to fly open. You know how many no's we got launching this church? You know how many people told us no? A lot. There was nothing easy about this. This God-given, God-ordained, God-spoken assignment. Because he's never going to cause you to do anything that you won't have to call on him to complete. Write that down. Next time you want to quote, his burden is easy. Or his yoke is easy and his burdens are light. As the church, we're supposed to be an influence to society. We're supposed to, those who are called to, when we say called to the church, I'm talking about church in the sense of leadership, church in the sense of vocation. We're all called to surrender our gifts to the advancement of the kingdom in the church. We can volunteer, we can sing, we can greet, we can be in the parking lot, we can do all those things. We can teach, we can preach without being called to the mountain of the church. There is a difference. 
But for those who are called to this mountain, your goal is to operate in purity, operate in integrity, operate in wholeness, because what you're doing is empowering people to go. That's why Paul says that I'm here on assignment and my hope is that your faith increases. And because your faith increases, I'll be able to preach in lands beyond you. Because he shows up, he gives them the gospel, and he wants them to go and affect, affect wherever part of the world that they go to with the message that he gave them. That's what this mountain is called to do. The problem is we want everybody to be on this mountain. The church loves throwing people on the church mountain. And that's why so many churches are messed up because they weren't supposed to be there. We have enough pastors in the pulpit. What we need is more ministers in the marketplace. Second one is government. Jesus has a plan for the government. And he needs Holy Ghost-filled people running for office. He needs Holy Ghost people working at the city, at the state, at the county, in the military. We need Christ-believing people in the government because they are creating our laws. They are creating the policies that dictate our life. And it's not just those in office. But we have the influential power of, here it is, you ready for me to be deep? Voting. That's Christian influence in the mountain of government, our vote. Here's one thing to help you on your journey to voting. There is no Christian party. You're going to have to actually look at what they stand for and you're going to have to make a decision. There's no Christian party. Vote for somebody. Because that somebody is making the rules. That somebody is dictating what's taught to your kids in school. You're also worried about gas prices, which isn't a government issue, that you're missing the bigger picture. You're mad at the president about gas prices, which the president has no authority over. And you're not looking at the policies. You're not looking at the people that they're putting in place. You're distracted. And so your influence isn't being felt because you're on Facebook talking about gas prices. We need spirit-filled people on the mountain of government. Number three, arts and entertainment. There's nothing on TV. Why? Because none of us are there. We're not writing any scripts. We're not behind any cameras. We're not directing any films. We're not writing any songs. All of us are in the church. And so we have no influence over Hollywood, and Hollywood has an influence over us and our 
families and our children and our cultures. Yes. We're looking at these films and these TV shows finding our identity. Yes. And no believer anywhere to be found. And when they write church shows, it's, it looks like garbage. Yes. How you make a show about the church and everybody cussing? How? Who wrote that? Not a believer. But we get mad, we get mad at the lack of entertainment opportunities, but we ain't there. That's why all the Disney movies got spells. Y'all mad, I'm sorry. Your kids is in here, I don't want to offend nobody. Everybody got magical powers and third eye can cast spells, can shape shift. It's all demonic activities, by the yeah. way. But they're writing all the scripts. They're drawing all the, 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 uh, the figures. They're casting all the actors and actresses. And we're just sitting here discussing it on Facebook, how good it is. Anyway, let me move on. Number four is education. Do you know what's in the curriculum? Do you know that they're starting to talk to your kids about things at second grade? Second? Put yourself in your second grade mind, having those types of conversations. But that's what happens when you're not involved and you have no influence over education. You're just a recipient, you're just reacting. You're just mad, but you have no influence because you're not there. You're not a teacher, you're not an administrator, you're not on the school board, you're not showing up to PTA. You're just sending your kids to school and hope for the best. Where's the influence? Are we influencing them or are they influencing us? What are you gonna do when they want your third grader to practice yoga in gym? Oh, y'all do yoga, Never mind. y'all offended. But my kids ain't doing yoga. They're not gonna do no breathing exercises to whoever. Because we're not supposed to influence, we're not supposed to be influenced by them, we're supposed to influence them. Y'all quiet, because y'all got yoga appointments this week. I have no idea the, the origin of it, but anyway. I know y'all. Y'all offended. What you gonna do when they get to college and they, and they tell your kid ain't no Jesus? What are you gonna do when they, when, they, when, they, when they push evolution on them? What are you gonna do when they give them the Big Bang? You're just gonna say, oh yeah. Are you gonna equip your kids to be able to have those conversations? Are you gonna tell them we don't believe in that? You go ahead and put that answer on the, on the test. We don't believe it. You go ahead and get that A though. You put the answer there, but that ain't the truth. Because we're supposed to influence them. I'm gonna keep saying that word until you believe it. That we're called to be the influencers, not to be influenced, period. Business, this is our favorite one. Business, right? Because everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Let me tell you something. It's not easy. You don't want to do none of these apart from Jesus. Can you do me a favor 
and make sure that you go to the mountain that you're called to. <laughs> but businesses run the world. Our last president was an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs are bankrolling candidates in schools. Our education system was founded by entrepreneurs. The K through 12 education system was founded by entrepreneurs. Our government is bankrolled by entrepreneurs. Our nonprofits are funded by entrepreneurs. Where are we? Does God not have any ideas that could land us on the Forbes 500 list? Or are we so busy trying, trying to sell to the church? We're going back to the church mountain again. God gave me this idea, I'm supposed to sell it to the church. We don't need another prophetic masterclass. Am I okay, babe? Am I doing too much? Okay. We don't need another prayer conference for you to sell tickets to. We need some Holy Ghost people on the Forbes list. We need some Holy Ghost people on the boards of companies. We need some Holy Ghost people in the C-suite of companies. We need some Holy Ghost people at mid-management. We need Holy Ghost people at every level and aspect of business. Because this is a capitalistic society. And businesses run a whole lot of things. And business owners influence a whole lot of our culture and we're not there. Media. This is different from arts and entertainment. This is the news. This is social media. These are social influencers. Where are we when it comes to the news being purported, reported? Because you know those are all curated left, right wing, same bird. But they're all curated with a message. They're all curated with a goal in mind, a narrative that they each want to push to you. And we don't even have any, anybody in between spirit-filled, distilling it through the lens of scripture, distilling it through the leading of the Holy Ghost. We just take what they give us and we run with it. What's that called? Influence. They got a nice suit on and a camera and makeup and we feel like they're an authority. We take their word as gold. And then we take what they say and we, we internalize it and it becomes our opinion. We've done no research. We haven't looked up the facts. We just say, yeah. That's right. How do you know that's right? Amen. Why are you then taking that narrative that they curated, hand it to you, and you paste it on Facebook, and you add a 
scripture to it that's out of context, trying to sound deep, and you look foolish. Because you're not operating in your mountain. You're not being an influencer, you're being influenced. You're under their influence instead of putting them under yours. You should be so under the influence of the Holy Spirit that when something comes your way, the spirit of the living God is saying, uh-uh, that ain't it. You might want to dig a little deeper. Or the spirit of the living God should say, I wouldn't post that if I were you. You're making us look bad. But we're not under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We're under the influence of our culture. We're under the influence of other people's talking points. Because the media is created to create narratives. The last one is family. If you do your research, over 5,000 years plus, societies that had strong families had strong cultures. It's not accidental that the family dynamic is under constant attack because broken families lead to broken societies. And that's why people don't even want to get married anymore. You thought that was accidental? Why do we denigrate the stay-at-home parent? Why do we make them feel less than? Because if we do that, it changes their mind. It says, you know what? I lost myself. I'm not as, as good as them. We don't value the role of parent, whether that's a stay-at-home parent or the working parent or the single parent or the nuclear family parent. It's a mountain. How you raise your kids is important. It's a realm of influence that too many of us are overlooking. There are feathers in our cap. There are bullets on our resume. We don't look at them as a sphere of influence. We don't realize that how we interact with our spouse is being read by other people. And they're making determinations as to what they want to do with their future based on what you're doing with your present. We don't understand just how important family is. We need strong family, no matter what the dynamic is. There needs to be intentional effort to influence our family for the kingdom. It's a realm of influence that we all can participate in. We all are part of somebody's family. Whether we're married, single, divorced, widowed, 
parent, not parent, we're all a part of somebody's family. And if we have the Holy Spirit in us, we should take that to every cookout. We should take it to every wedding. We should take it to every funeral. They should know who to call when they're in trouble. They should know who to call when they need to get a prayer through. They should know who to call when they need healing. Because the family is a sphere of influence. It's not as cute as business. I'll call to the mountain of business. I'm a CEO, I got the CEO oil. That oil is just as important as the mother oil. The principal oil is just as important as the father oil. Our families matter. How we steward our families is important to God. It's a realm of influence because you're sending them out. You're sending them somewhere. They only have this much time in your care before they go. What are you doing to influence them for the kingdom during that time? We all have the same mandate. No matter what mountain, the mandate is the same. It's in Matthew 5 and 13. You are like salt to the whole human race. If something is bland, without flavor, what do you do? You add salt to it. And it's supposed to make it taste better. Salt is also used to preserve things and make things last longer. Where, where are you salt right now? What have you made better with your presence? Whose life have you preserved because they interacted with you? We're called to be salt. I don't know which mountain you're supposed to go to, but I do know you're supposed to be salt. Wherever you go, you're supposed to be salt. Here's the other thing that we're supposed to be. It's in Matthew 5, just a few verses down. It says, let your light shine. Can I ask you a question? Is there a need for a flashlight in the sunshine? But we all, we all show up with our flashlights to church. If he's telling you to let your light shine, he's telling you to go to some dark places with your light. Do your coworkers know you love Jesus? Come on. Amen. Do your clients know you love Jesus? Do your students know you love Jesus? I know we're not supposed to talk about church, and, and I used to be a teacher, I get it, but they knew. Everywhere I went, I was this before I was this. I didn't ask for it. But when God calls you, you're called. And you take it with you wherever you go. I remember being in the middle of Iraq. I'm kind of saved. 
and people just coming to me. I don't got no, I'm not saying pastor here, pastor here, bring me your cares. Time after time, people coming to me with problems that y'all don't want to know about. I'm already stressed out, dodging bullets every day. Now you want to bring me your problems, and now I got to carry that around. I remember I came back home, this was the first time my dad said, you know what, you're going to be a pastor. I said, no, because if that is what pastoring is, no thank you. You take you wherever you go. The question is, when you go, do you let your light shine? Do you dim it? Trying to fit in. Trying not to offend. I'm an offensive person. You're not going to take Jesus out out my mouth, out my language, out my mannerisms. I'm going to be imperfect with it, uh, but but you're going to know. I love me some Jesus. My wife and I, we've been in business for eight years. We've lost plenty of money because certain companies didn't want to deal with us because guess what? Every time we do, we're supposed to be talking about finances. We have a financial company. But every time, we somehow a scripture come up. I remember one time, we were live on all the platforms, doing our thing, talking about money. And this lady comes on the live saying that she was about to take her life. But the reason she didn't take her life is because she got the notification that we went live. Do you think we stuck to our little script and said, okay, we're praying for you and go on? No, we stopped that live said, in the name of Jesus, you will live and not die. I didn't care who was looking. I didn't care what companies was watching. God sent her on the live with two of his children. Guess what? We're going to go to work. We're going to go to work. Because you're supposed to take the light wherever you go. That's influence. We might have lost some deals, but we gained a soul. Because here's what you got to know, as you pursue this journey to your mountain, don't chase paper, chase purpose. Because when you chase paper, you end up running in place, going nowhere. But the moment you surrender to chase the purpose of God, guess what follows you? Paper. We have to have our heart right and our priorities right. Yes, we are to pursue these things with excellence. We're supposed to, the Bible says, run the race that he set before us with endurance. But we're supposed to run it in such a way that honors him. Our lives are to be a living, a living testimony. What we do matters. What we post matters. What we say matters to the kingdom agenda. If we we really reverence, as we did earlier, the holiness of God, we would proceed through life much differently. We would have much more intentionality about the decisions that we make, the people we interact with. 
we would go to work differently. The reason you're miserable at your job because you don't realize it's part of a kingdom agenda. You just think it's for a paycheck. And so that's why you're bored out of your mind. And that's why you're asking God, what am I supposed to do? You're there, you're, you're in it. What are you doing while you're there? Y'all are really quiet. I hope you're getting this because this is important. I want you to stop existing through your days. I want you to stop showing up Monday thinking about Friday. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And it's the same as the Apostle Paul's. It's the same as mine. He wants you to be assigned so that somebody else's faith can increase so that his message can go beyond them and then he gets the glory. Whether that's you being an anointed lawyer, an anointed mail carrier, an anointed doctor, an anointed singer, an anointed teacher, take the anointing with you and influence the world. Let people know just how good God is. Let people know what he's done for you. Use the spirit of God to discern. Turn to your co-worker and say, hey, you all right? Can I pray for you? You know how far that goes? They don't need a sermon. They just need a touch from the Lord. And you got it. You're the influencer. Influencer is a really cool word. We would love to have a blue check next to our social media. Let me tell you something. I got one. It ain't all that. I don't really care. Because you don't want to put your identity into it. You're a child of God, bought with a price, created for a purpose, but the purpose is his glory. So all that we do, that's why the Bible says, do it unto him. Whatever it is, we can't end up like Moses did at the Red Sea, complaining. Again, talking about these people. These people. We got the army. You told me to come get these people out of Egypt. Now the army coming. And nothing but water right here. What you want me to do, Lord? What was God's response? You can play, because I'm going to keep going if you don't. He said, what's that in your hand? What's that in your hand? He didn't say, let me put something in your hand. He said, what's that already in your hand? Um, a staff? Why? What's this got to do with my prayer? I'm asking you to uh, fix the situation. He said, throw it down. Moses threw it down, turned it into a serpent. Pick it back up. He used that thing that was already in his hand to part the Red Sea. 
Quick question, quick Sunday school question. Was that, was the goal to set Moses free? Was Moses the only one who was able to walk across dry land to the other side? Nah, there was a whole group of people counting on Moses to get it right. Can I help you? There's a whole group of people counting on you to get this right. There's a whole group of people waiting to be influenced by you. And you're asking God, what am I supposed to do? And he's saying, what's that in your hand? Use that. Use that. Go to work Tuesday and use that. Use your influence for the kingdom now. Preachers aren't the only ones called to influence for the kingdom. So are factory workers. My father-in-law worked at Ford for 30 years, and you know what they knew him for? Passing out tracks. He was a track man. (laughs) To this day, he's been retired for years. To this day, people remember that. What's that? Influence. That's influence. You're steady asking God, what should I do? He's looking at you like, do what I've already told you to do. You're asking God for a new word when you haven't done anything with the old one. Stop acting like you forgot. You know what he said. Just like I did. I didn't even get to most of my message. But I think God wants us to sit right here. He wants you to know that he has a plan of influence for you. That doesn't require a blue check on on social media. It just requires a surrendered heart. It requires an elevated level of faith. Do you know why he kept telling the disciples, ye of little faith? They had faith. They just didn't have enough to get it done. So we're all called to this kingdom agenda. It's just a matter of where. And we're going to go over that in this collection of conversations. But what the Lord wants you to know right now is that there's more for you to do. What the Lord wants you to know right now is that he's got a much bigger plan for your life than you've had for yourself. And what he's requiring of you is a surrender. Do you trust him enough to come out of your comfort? Look, he put my back against the wall. He told everybody about it. I couldn't run. Told my kids, told my wife, told my father-in-law, told my pastor. Don't be like me. (laughs) Just say, Lord, here I am. What will you have me to do? Stop looking down on where he's assigned you. You're minimizing a God-given assignment. You're trying to measure yourself against people that you see here, there, and everywhere and thinking that what you're doing isn't enough. Your calling isn't that great. Anything that God gives us 
is great. Any calling that he puts on our life is awesome. But it starts with an internal posturing of our heart. One saying, I trust you, Lord. Two saying, I'm willing, Lord. And three saying, I'm committed. That's why I said run the race with endurance. Endurance means it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. You're going to need endurance for what's to come. You, when we get to this point, when you, when, you, when you start to let your mind wander, like, what, which mountain am I, which one am I called to? Two things are going to come, two emotions, excitement and terror. Like, how, I, 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 how am I going to do that? I, trust me, I know that well. It reminds me, this past week we went to Tennessee and we, we, were, or we went to an amusement park and, and, and my son, he's, a, he's an adventurer. So he wants to get on some roller coasters. The problem is I don't like heights. I'm 6'3", so about seven foot is about as high as I like to go. So my son had his eye on some of the roller coasters as we went in. And so we're walking through the park and I saw this one. It like went straight up in the air and come straight down. And you know, they had done some research before we got there. So that, you know, he wanted to get on that one. And then I saw a sign that said it wasn't working. I was like, okay, ain't got to get on that one. Glory be to God, he knew. So then, so then there was this other uh, roller coaster. It was, it was cool, you know, it was like, I was like, okay, I can handle that one. And uh, 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 we got on that one. And as we're going to this one, there's another one over here. And he's like, oh, I want to do that one next. And I'm looking at that one like, oh, I don't want to do that one. And so we get on this one and it was cool. I made it survive, like, okay. Hopefully he got it out of his system and he's good now. But you want to know something crazy? We're sitting there, like we got something to drink afterwards, and, and the group after us that got on that roller coaster that we just completed got stuck. <laughs> they had to send a crew up there to evacuate them off the roller coaster. I'm like, I already don't like roller coasters. <laughs> you mean to tell me that one that I just was on, that could have been me? And so I thought that this other one, this third one, I thought it wasn't working either because they were doing some tests on it. But by the time, by the time it was time for us to go over there, guess what, y'all? That mug was working. So I'm like, all right, all right. She's like, Dad, come on, come on. So we went. I'm terrified. (laughs) My kids told me later, they kind of figured me out. They said, Dad, when you get scared, you don't talk. I said, you're right. You know why? Because I'm talking to myself. <laughs> like, Holy Spirit, help. I knew I had to do it, though. Because what my son kept telling me was like, Dad, if I do this one, I know I'll conquer all my fear of heights. 
So I had to put my fear to the side so that he could conquer his. Because the goal is influence. So I quietly was in line. We did it. He was excited. He did it. Now he don't feel like there's really much he can't do. I'm still scared. But I put it to the side because I wanted him to win. I came out of my comfort zone for the benefit of somebody else. That's the call on your life to get uncomfortable so somebody else could win. To get uncomfortable so somebody else can know your Jesus. To get uncomfortable so somebody else can be set free. But we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable for the sake of the advancement of the kingdom of God. Can I just give you one more secret? Just one more. For most of my life, I was terrified of public speaking. Can't you tell? So I would use that as my reason for running from my call. Because I really was scared, terrified. The first time that I had to preach, I had to hide behind the, the lectern because my knees were knocking, literally. But the more I did it, the more it just became second nature. And then at a certain point, my wife asked me, like, are you scared? I'm like, no, actually I'm not. But I had been saying the whole time that I was scared. But because I was so focused on being scared, I didn't realize I wasn't scared no more until, until she asked me. Like, Wait a minute, nah, I'm actually not scared. So it may start with fear, but God has not given us the spirit of fear. So since he didn't give it, you don't get to succumb to it. You gotta walk right on by it and walk into your destiny because there's people dependent on it. Can we stand? God is calling us to be salt and to be light because his goal, his kingdom agenda is for us to take all that he's given to us to influence this world for his glory. He wants us under the influence of the Holy Spirit so that we can put this world under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're about to pray about right now. We're going to pray right through that fear. We're going to pray right through that terror. And we're going to pray right into the boldness of the Lion of Judah so that we can walk in the destiny that he has carved out for us. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we just bow before your presence right now. We recognize you as the great King, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And in this moment, Father God, we just surrender to you, knowing that you've called us, 
that you've chosen us, that you've equipped us for the race that you set before us. So Father, we just ask that you give us the endurance to run this race. Fear has no authority over us. So we submit to you asking that our faith rise and our faith increase to the point that we don't even worry about what the next step is because our confidence is in you. Our confidence is in our abilities, in our degrees, in our certifications. Our faith is in you. Holy Spirit, help us not waste another day, not another hour, not another minute, not another second of this life, but help us to live our life on purpose, that your kingdom agenda be fulfilled. Send us out to these areas of influence and give us a boldness that could only come from heaven. Help us to be wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. Help us to have wisdom in all that you called us to do. Help us to be submitted in all that you called us to do. Father, we trust you and we want you to get the glory out of our lives. Forgive us for being in your way. Forgive us for being our own obstacle. And we refuse to be a hindrance to our destiny anymore. Father, we want you to have your way. Come into our hearts, come into our lives, come into our minds and rearrange everything. Take out anything that's not like you. Help us to hear you clearly, to feel you closely, and to know you more intimately than we've ever known you before. We want your will to be done in our lives and in the lives of those that you have called us to influence. Holy Spirit, put us under your influence and help us to go put other people under your influence as a result. Now this is the second part of this prayer. For some of you all, you're not under the influence of the Holy Spirit right now because you haven't yet surrendered your life to him. And we would be remiss not to give you that opportunity. For others, you once surrendered your life to him, but things have changed and you know that you need you need to recommit. You need to re-surrender back to him. So all eyes closed. When I counted three, if you find yourself in either category, I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy, come down, do any backflips or anything. I'm just going to ask you to surrender and put your hand up to heaven. Nobody's looking. On the count of three, if you know you need to surrender your life or re-surrender your life to the Lord, I just need you to put that hand up as a public acknowledgement to heaven. Like, yeah, that's me. One, two, Three, raise that hand if that's you. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. I see you. Hey man, you can put that hand down. Let's pray. We all pray together. Say this out loud. Father in heaven, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I surrender my life back to you. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. 
Come into my life. Be the Lord over my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we put our hands together, all nations? Some people just gave their life to the Lord. Let's get excited about that. Amen, 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 amen. It's an incredible day, no matter who you are. If you just gave your life to the Lord or if you just heard from the Lord about what you're supposed to do with your next, it's a great day to be surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, if one of the things that the Lord has told you is that all nations of Aurora should be your church, we would love to be your church. My wife and I would love to be your pastors. There's several ways you can join. You can go outside to the uh, New Here, Stop Here table. You can scan that QR code. You can go to allnationsaurora.com slash join. We would love to be your church. It's time. You've been running. You've been hopping. You've been streaming. Come on. It's time to come home, yeah. and we would love to be your church. Listen, let's go into this week full of joy. Amen. Knowing that the God of, uni of the universe, the God that created everything, also created a destiny with our name on it. The God that created everything created a sphere of influence with our name on it. We have work to do. Let's waste no more time. Can we be committed to wasting no more time? Can we be committed to living this life on purpose for his, for his glory alone? Father, we thank you that you came and met us today, that you came and spoke to us today. We ask that our lives never be the same in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more ways to stay connected, visit us at allnationsaurora.com. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your family and friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and change the world.